This is the Wealthy Contractor Podcast, brought to you by G4 Marketing. Interviews with today's top home improvement entrepreneurs about marketing, sales, money, mindset, and lifestyle. Now, here's your host, Brian Kaskavalsian. Hey, everybody, Brian here. I've got a great episode for you coming right up with Terry Ferrero of Pro Materials Direct. First, though, I wanted to thank you for listening to our most recent episodes that have really been focused on how to overcome the uncertainty and the challenges of our current environment. We've had so much great feedback, and we're really happy to bring you content that is helpful to you at this time. I don't know about you, but I'm ready to shed the weight of the virus and keep pushing forward in my business. So I'm going to start sharing with you some of the fantastic episodes that we recorded before the virus hit us. So you too can get that shutdown mentality out of your mind and focus on moving forward. Now what's interesting about today's episode is that it's incredibly relevant to today's unique circumstances even though we recorded it a couple of months ago. In fact, some of the principles Terry shares are even more critical today. So listen up, take some notes. Some of the simple yet truthful lessons Terry shares are going to have a huge impact on your business. So let's get to it. All right, everybody, welcome to another episode of the Wealthy Contractor Podcast. This is Brian Kaskavalsian with G4 Marketing Group. And today, my guest is Terry Ferrero from Pro Materials Direct. Terry has been in the home improvement industry for quite some time. And I want to ask him today, I want to talk about, at least that's where we're going to start. We're going to talk about, from his experience, what makes contractors successful and what makes them unsuccessful in this business. And he's got a very unique perspective. Before we jump into that, I just wanna remind everybody, if you haven't done so already, go to thewealthycontractor.com, thewealthycontractor.com. You can get a copy of my book there, The Seven Secrets to Becoming a Wealthy Contractor. Deal is I have bought a number of copies of the book. I will buy the book for you. I just ask you to pay shipping and handling. So you can do that there. And then you want to make sure that if you are not on our list, get on our list because there's a bunch of free resources that we make available. I say free, but most of the stuff that we do is without cost. There is some other stuff that is with cost, but most of the stuff we do is without cost. So with all of that said, Terry, welcome. Thank you for being here. Let's start with, tell everybody, kind of give everybody the, the two-minute version of your story. Hi, good morning. Thanks. Yeah, I think my story has been a little a crazy ride. been in the industry, the home improvement industry, really basically since I, since I got out of college, which sadly is like 44 years. It's a long time to be in one industry, but it kind of started out maybe like a lot of people where you're not really looking for a career. You're just looking for a job to pay the bills. And that's what I was doing back in the middle 70s after college and got hired by a U.S. Steel Corporation. I had bought a company called Alside, and maybe a lot of people buy from Alside today or certainly have heard of them. And they were one of the inventors of aluminum siding. So they go way back. So uh, I was fortunate just to get a job with them and Ended up staying with Alside for 15 years and kind of there during the Tin Man era as aluminum siding was uh, coming 
eventually to an end and vinyl siding was come on, so coming on, so it was kind of an exciting time. But eventually rose up through the ranks with them and uh, took over the Southeast territory for them. And after 15 years, U.S. Steel decided to sell that division, their outside division. And I had, I decided for some reason, uh, maybe just luck, that I didn't want to go with that group or become part of the new U.S. Steel all side. And a lot of the mentors that I had had in my life were leaving as well. They were taking their chips off the table and all side was going to be a changed company. So I elected at that time uh, to start my own business. And, uh, you know, with all the things that goes in, I'm not sure that you know, I was totally prepared, but it was a time when, you know, computers were coming in. I had to learn computers and all of those things. And we decided to start my own building supply company. So uh, in 1991, American Wholesale Building Supply Company was formed. And it was my uh, first company that, that I'd owned. And that company, we were just very blessed, eventually grew to 18 branches across the, the South, becoming one of the largest building supplies in the Southeast. And uh, it was a tremendous ride. And I guess in my time in the industry now, uh, I have probably met, been in the offices of maybe 5,000 home improvement contractors because it's the only thing I have ever done. So I think I have a good perspective of how the home improvement business works. And uh, it's kind of where we are today. Eventually, uh, the recession came and I made a decision that we were going to start to sell off American Wholesale Building Supply. And which is what we did. We sold the company to places like Ted Lansing and ABC Supply and Allied Supply and others and sell those branches off. We were eventually fortunate. We also were fortunate enough to have a built a, a window, vinyl window manufacturing company called Magnolia Window and Door. That was eventually sold off to private equity. And as we got through the recession, I started to look for new things to do which brought us today to where we created an energy retrofit division. We started uh, manufacturing insulation, which we can talk about somewhere else down the, down the road, uh, which is where we are today. So uh, that's kind of the, the story in a, in a two minute version. <clears throat> that's awesome. 5,000 contractors. You mentioned something and I, and I can't skip over it. You mentioned the term tin men. For those that might be too young to know what that means, can you just, share what tin men are yeah <laughs> that, that term means yeah that's uh you know for me i was from uh, miami i'm from miami florida so and i went to university of tennessee so after college settled here in atlanta and i didn't even know what siding or anything about it i, I didn't care i just needed a job but what i found out i was coming into a company that had uh, the owners had or one of the original inventors of aluminum siding so the guys or the salespeople that sold siding during that era were because they sold aluminum were called Tin Men. And um, there was a great movie that came out called Tin Man uh, about the home improvement industry in Baltimore. And uh, so it's a, if you haven't seen that movie, I would definitely uh, go to Netflix or, or find out where you can stream it because yeah. it is a, a great movie. But so the, the term Tin Man came about for those people that sold aluminum siding. And like I said, my, when I came into the business, that was still very, very prevalent all side and U.S. Steel also manufactured steel siding. But eventually around the 80s, early 80s, vinyl siding started to come out. Uh, they were, uh, U.S. Steel went in and uh, 
built a big factory on making vinyl siding. But in the original, to your question, uh, a tin man was a guy that was selling aluminum siding back in the day. Yeah, and, you, and, and if you haven't seen the movie and you're in the home improvement industry, um, you gotta watch that movie. <coughs> Great All right. All right, so um, by the way, okay, sorry, to the tin men again. Um, how, how many of the companies, is, was that like standard practice of uh, that in the movie, um, I don't want to, I don't want to, I'm getting us a, a little sidetracked here, but it, it, they did business a, a particular way. Um, you know, they, they all had to drive Cadillacs and they did some stuff that wasn't really ethical, um, that uh, stuff that wouldn't work today. Um, was it, how prevalent was it back then, uh, that that's the way that the business was done? You know, I think people look at it like they, in many cases that those guys were lying and saying things that weren't true. And maybe they stretched, you know, many of them maybe have stretched the truth, but in, the, in real, if you look at it, I don't know, when I look back at that era, they were still just trying to get people to move forward to, with something that they needed to do for their house anyway. In other words, that house was in bad shape, the wood was rotting, and they may have used some ways to get people to not procrastinate and <clears throat> get something done on their house. But at the end of the day, in almost all those cases, they use very, very good products made from manufacturers like Alcide and Reynolds. And I, I can still remember going, I still go buy houses in areas of Cleveland and Baltimore where that siding that they sold has been on protecting those houses for 50 years. So at the end of the day, they, they sold good products. I don't know that they were hitting people over the head where like, you know, some of that charging too much they might have, do, have done things like, you know, we hope to put your house in competition to be on Look Magazine. You know, you know, if you remember that magazine from back in that era, they might have done things like that. But at the end of the day, they weren't overselling the price. They were probably doing some things to convince people to move forward. But they certainly used great products and the products protected those homes from being having to be painted again for 30, 40, 50 years. So I was always, you know, there were some bad things in that era, but I'd say for the most part, 80 to 90% were, were getting people to, to make their houses look better and to become more efficient. And it, it didn't have to be painted and all of those things. So cool. Well, that's a, that's a, that's a great way to look at it. Yeah. All right. So you've, you've worked closely with, God, the number is staggering, 5,000 contractors. And so I'm curious, from the ones that have been very successful, and I know you have worked with some of the, the, the most successful people in this industry, what makes somebody successful and wealthy in this industry? And when I say wealthy, I'm talking not just money, but also you know the, their ability to control their time, their ability to control who they spend their time with, you know, the relationships that they have and being able to fulfill what it is, whatever it is, whatever their best life means to them. And so what are some of the things that you've noticed that the most successful people do that maybe the unsuccessful people don't do? 
Yeah, you know, I, I, there's so many things in that realm. And uh, one of the things I think that <clears throat> in almost all the guys that have, that con companies that come to us or we see that is they start out uh, in many cases without enough capital. So if I, if I look at that and, and people coming to us, I, I, even you know, this year, there might've been 20 people that we would not allow to become customers because they had no chance of success. The other things that I see is just the turn and burn, hiring you know, somebody else's failure. And at the successful companies today have the ability to create their own salespeople. And most, again, of the big successful contractors aren't trying to find you know, somebody else that left somebody else. I mean, I can't tell you how many times people kind of come to me and say, man, you, ain't you, I need about two good salespeople. And you got, you know, anybody that's looking at, you know, maybe might want to change positions. Whereas you should be wanting to create salespeople. You should be able to look to other people that are coming or other industries that are, might have given them some sales background, but have no idea about, you know, siding or windows or roofing or insulation or any of those things. You're going to be the one that trains them. And I think, you know, we use a, that term, I am sold myself, I-A-S-M, and the ability to bring people into your organization that, that believe in what they're doing, that believe in the product that you're selling is what creates success. And then if you can find people that have a passion about what they do, that's even better. And then I think the key is once you determine who works best in your, your, uh, your company, then try to find like-minded people. You know, I know that there's major companies that, I, that we deal with that the people that are there have now brought in their best friend, they've brought in their brother, uh, and those people have brought in their cousin. And therefore you start to create a, a passion, excitement, where everybody's kind of, you know, from the same thread, so to speak. So I think that's, you know, when I look at things, look at companies that are not successful, they, they tend to just, you know, they, it's said about the home improvement industry, sometimes it takes three years and then re, takes three years of experience and repeats that for the next 30 years without much change. Yeah. But today, uh, taking people that are not from this industry and, and then, you know, then that moves to the second phase is the, the failure to have good sales training. And I know you see it. I've been to your, your meetings and I know what you do. It's a constant theme in our industry. I see it day in and day out that people are not educating their salespeople in the proper way. One of the things, when I got to Allside after college, they started saying things like, if your price is too high, your story's too short. And I God, just what the heck does that mean? You know, just, I couldn't good. quite get it. You know, was that, what, that a 10 man thing? Oh, that's good. And it, it really comes back to today. If you can't get the proper gross, most people fail because they just can't get the proper gross margin or they don't know the pro proper gross margin to get. And so if you don't have that ability, then you're just going to fail. You're just going to you're going to go up to a house. You're not going to get the proper amount of money for the job that you're going to sell. There's only two winners going to be the homeowner and the, and the installer. And you as the owner is not going to be the winner. And if you continue to do that enough times, then eventually you're out of business. Whereas 
if you focus on a training that, that comes down to educating the consumer on not only who you are and what you stand for, but why you have chosen the products that you have done and why you've chosen a way to do an installation that's different and separate than other people, which gives you the ability to warrant that product, uh, to warrant your services forever, really, because you've done it right the first way. And I think, you know, we've got a lot of things that we can talk about down that road, but I, I find it's just the ability to not identify the type of person that you need to hire and then, and then really focusing on how to hire that person. And then how do I train that person into our system? You know, I've heard it many times. It doesn't matter what your system is. It just matters that you have a system, yeah. but some have better systems than others. Uh, I would say if I looked at companies that would have uh, eight or more salespeople, you know, one of the things that I, I have seen is they're, they just, they hire and fire, they hire and fire. But the better ones start to have a mentor program. So if you bring someone into your company and you're going to teach and train them, you take other salespeople that have been successful and they get a, they are get an override to hold people's hands as they come into your, to your organization, because everybody's going to struggle a little bit in this one call close industry or this home improvement sales industry. And so we should not just always kick them out and go to the next guy. We should have a system so that we come in here as they go through those, those bumps that we can help make them successful. Kind of an all for one, one for all, where most company, a lot of companies just everybody goes their own separate way and does their own separate things. The ones that are successful are creating a, a culture and excitement where those people get excited about being trained. And when they have problems, they have somebody to go to. And I think these are some things that you see in, in the successful companies around. But I would always go back that most cases, the ones that fail are just not getting the proper price for their product. I'll tell you one quick story. There was a guy back in the, in the 80s. And I said, to, you know, I said to him, John, I said, man, you're just not getting enough for your products, man. You, you do the best work, the jobs that you do, your book that you do, of your, your re referrals is fantastic. I said, I want you just to try. It's never going to make a difference. If you just increased your price by $100, I swear to you, will not have any effect on how many jobs you sell. It, it'll just make you the chance to be wealthy and, and have success. Because you're selling, you know, 100 something jobs, 150 jobs per year. Think about what $100 job, per job would mean. Well, it wasn't long that he came back. He actually started crying in our in our lobby of our, our Atlanta warehouse thanking just saying you, I can't even tell you what you've done but it was just that little amount he already had a great company he already had a great story he just wasn't charging the correct price and those you know there's been hundreds of those you know I, I would say even though I've now been in the business 44 years I would say looking back at two, 2019 I probably we're with 20 to 30 contractors saying you've got to raise your average ticket price and you've got to raise the gross profit you get or, or you're just making money for other people, not for yourself. This episode is brought to you by Business Success Consulting Group. Does the way your business currently operate prevent you from scaling and growing? Is the most valuable knowledge in your organization held by just a handful of key personnel? 
Are you spending valuable time training your teams instead of running your business? Business Success Consulting Group understands the challenges of organizing while you grow, and they specialize in putting order into the chaos of an expanding organization. Adi and her team at BSCG work closely with you and your team to capture vital business knowledge, and then they help you develop, document, optimize, and implement systems and processes across every area of your organization, from sales and operations to marketing, human resources, and business development. Adi and her team have decades of experience and will help you empower your teams to function effectively with reproducible results that will set your business up for continual success and expansion. Schedule your free consultation today by calling or texting 503-662-2911. So there was a ton in there, a ton to unpack. And to the listener, go back and listen to that, you know, rewind. It's okay. Rewind. Go back like three or four or five minutes, whatever that was, and listen to all of that again. In fact, if you're driving, stop, get out a notepad and take some notes because I wrote down a whole bunch of things. So I want to go back to the very first thing that you said. You said the most successful companies create their own salespeople. I want everybody to hear that. It's not going, so I was doing a call the other day with um, another contract, very successful contractor here in Florida, client of mine, really smart guy. And, and um, one of the things that he said early on that they learned was that they will not hire a salesperson from another company, from another home improvement company, because they come with what, you know, they, you know, they come with bad habits. They have their own way of doing things and they tend to, if they didn't fit in with the other company where they claim to have been selling two or $3 million a year, more than likely they're not going to fit into yours. And so what they discovered early on was that they had to, create, like you said, using that word, they had to create their own salespeople. And so you talked about, you have to have training in there. You have to have culture. You have to have a process for, for doing this. Um, how important is it? So if I want to grow, you know, in, in, in any business, you hit these kind of, you hit these ceilings and in home improvement, I think the first one is just getting to a million dollars. You know, you get to about a million, a million two, and you kind of hit a ceiling and everything's got to change, including you as the owner. And then you go to, you know, somewhere between two and three million. That's something that you hit a ceiling again, and then it goes to five and it goes to 10 and, you know, thereabouts. And so for the person that's, let's say that they've got to a million dollars and they've heard it here if they've listened to this over and over and over again is they have to stop selling and they have to now start to like you said using your word create salespeople. what's the first step for them well you mean the first step of creating salespeople? yeah i think first of all it's the hiring process you know there's a lot of uh, different people out there that have uh, you know you you're going to uh, assess each person that comes in. Uh, I know the Yoho organizations have some, you know, you probably have gone through it talking about those things that, that how you identify persons that can pass the correct test to get in that would be successful in a, in a in-home selling process. 
Mm-hmm. But I think that's the key is to get, you know, what, what works for you as the owner, what kind of person do you fit in? Because if it fits somebody in that's not going to work in your particular organization, they're just going to fail. And, you, and so when you start hiring people that don't work, it's extremely costly. It just sets you back so, so far. So if you have a defined, let's sit down and say, what kind of person do we need? And I know that sounds very simple, but every, every company seems to be a little different to me in that respect. I knew the kind of people they want to have. And so that's step one. Uh, what is your recruitment process? Who, who is the person talking to that person? I, I, I was with somebody the other day and they said, I went, they went and looked at a job and they said they were the worst. They had, they, they performed the worst interview they had ever had. They had sat down looking to, you know, to go to work for this company. They go, there's no way because the person that was doing the interviewing themselves was not trained properly. Yeah. So that is, is phase one. The second is you, you have to have, a very defined uh, sales process, training process that takes, you know, that really can train people in a step-by-step way of what you guys do. And you kind of have to have it broken down. I know this is very simple. A lot of people probably say, well, everybody does this, but a lot of people don't. They just start. And there's a lot of people, companies that let uh, the vendors do the training. You know, how many times do people come over here to our training center and I can tell, you know, and they keep coming back with different people, but they, they, they weren't training themselves. They were letting somebody else take charge of their training because training is not easy. But if you, it is easy when you get a very defined plan and that in that divine, defined plan is the proper whatever verbiage so that everybody in your organization is using the exact same, same verbiage. And there's scripting so that you, what you have done is you, you do create a script. It's like, uh, you know, we're getting ready to go to New York to watch, to go watch some plays. That Broadway play, somebody repeats that over and over and over and over again, day in and day out. They become very, very good at it. And it's the same thing, in, in, especially in small home improvement companies, is that everybody is on the same page day in and day out and that you have scripted certain things for them. And so I, I think that's, that's a big first step. And then, you know, and when I say scripting and then verbiage, you know, it goes back to, you know, uh, if my stories, my price is too high, my story's too short. What is your story? I'd like to know it. If I'm a homeowner, I want to know the story of your company. And I want that person and every person should be able to say, to say it the same, same way. I can remember my first major $1 million account. And I walked into that company that day and it was a guy that had gotten a Sears light. He became a Sears licensee. And there in that room was this giant video camera. If you can remember those video cameras when they were, you know, like TV cameras. Oh yeah. And that, I go, what the heck is that? You know, I'm just a young guy looking this guy and, and you know, now I'm walking into a guy that's, you know, a Sears licensee. Why is that there? But every day, Every time I went to those sales meetings on Tuesday or Thursday, whenever they had them, and that would say, go, they go, Brian, today is your day to give our window presentation to the rest of the class. And so the fear of knowing that today's the day that you're going to just explain our roofing presentation, even <laughs> that camera, you know, you came in there knowing that you better learn your stuff and you better know that script 
you better know every objection. You need to be trained on how to bring, when to bring financing into play, when it's mentioned, how it's mentioned, how it's used in the, in the process. And so, you know, there's so many steps that need to be broken down and it can't be done by outside people. You know, I'm, we're happy to bring, we want everybody to come into our training center, but that should be just something extra to learn more about our particular products, not to do how, how you're going to, you know, how you're going to meet that person, how you're going to greet that person, how you're going to handle the objections at the door or whatever it may be. So those are the things that I think, you know, if you're, the small guys, it just got, it has to be defined and you have to break it away to what you want that customer to know about you, to know about your products. Uh, and I think that's, that's where you have to start, you know, how you're going to recruit, what kind of people you want to recruit, get like-minded people. And then how are you going to have a training process? We have another guy. I go into his office. There are his 10 processes sitting up, up on, on the wall, in these little folders, somebody they hire. They, at first three or four days, they're there. They're having to learn what's in that folder, those first two, three. And then once they learn that, they can progress forward. Uh, you know, everybody's different in this business. I, that's what's been fun for me over these 40-something years is every time I go into some place, it's, it's so different. It's the same in many cases, but everybody has a little bit of a wrinkle. And I need, you know, you have to have whatever you're selling, whatever you're doing, what's your wrinkle going to be? To, to get your story. And, and I think the biggest part I say, you know, if your price to tie your story is too short at the end of the day, in my opinion, it's about the guys that are successful have the ability to build the value of what they're selling so that the consumer believes they're getting a good deal for the price that they're paying. The ones that don't it are is when the consumer doesn't believe that what they are selling is worth what the money they are asking for. So you can get a higher price and the correct price that you need to get, but you have to be able to create a, a training process that creates value. It comes back to that IASM, I am sold myself. Most companies have people that believe in what they're doing so much that it just passes through to the consumer. And that excitement, and that passion with good products is what creates, you know, a sales at the correct number. Wow. That was awesome. So what's interesting, the thing that I, I really loved that you said, and I think it's a really good analogy and a good way to think about the whole sales process is the Broadway play. So they're not, they're not getting up there. The actors are not getting up there and doing different things every night. There is a script that they follow, and the, 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 the tighter they stay on that script and the better they get at that script through night after night after night after night after night of performances, they just get better and better and better. And the, one, the companies that are successful have that process built that way. And I think that that's such a great way of framing that the importance of that and and using that analogy just and and just for everybody that's listening you know terry said it earlier and we've said it here before the system itself there's a lot of good systems out there you just need a system the one that you're sold on because as the owner of the company 
you have this innate ability to go out there and sell your product. But that's not something you could teach somebody else how to do. And so what you need is you need this type of sales program, presentation, process, training, uh, so that you can duplicate yourself, replicate your results, and now you could bring on people and start creating your own sales team. I hope that made sense the way, <laughs> the way that I said that. But that's, the, that's one of the big keys to, to this. Well, one thing I'll say, Brian, is we're not in the improv business. You know, right. you, you take, okay, Broadway, and then you have improv. You know, we're not in the improvisational business. We are in a business that gets across our point day in and day out. And the more that we do it, the better we get. Just, it's just human nature. Yeah. I, one of the, you know, we've been a, a success for, you know, back in our day, we had all those building supplies of the gutter protection business. And I remember meeting this guy who was in Connecticut and he would drive to these jobs and, you know, maybe the homeowner or both the homeowner, both the wife and husband weren't, weren't home, but he had driven all that way. And he said, it doesn't matter to me. He said, I'll, I'll come back when either the husband's home or the, bride, or the wife's going to be there. But I'm also going to give a presentation when I get there because I want to I want to continue to get better so that it makes it easier for me to say it when I get, you know, on the next lead. And I think that's that's important is you just have to keep you have to have that system and ha you have to be working on it. And when you typically, as most home improvement guys know or, or people know, is when you start to do bad for some reason you start to have you know when you're not selling for a week or two in a row it's usually because you've got off the system and you've started to bring too much uh, outside stuff or you started to shortcut you know if your price is too high your story is too short so once you start that you sometimes you have to have that that mentor you know i mentioned you know have if companies would go if more companies had mentors to hold salespeople's hands they would be more successful because they wouldn't have to keep hiring and that's that's you know when you're you're off you need to go get somebody either your sales manager or the mentor whoever it may be to help you get back on track but i can i can always tell you it's just like when you start doing going out on your drifting off one way or the other you start to you know your the whole thing starts to fall apart one of the major companies that we deal with in the in the u.s is, you know, they, they have a meeting where they, you know, they're new hires and in that room might be 30 people that are going to go out to different parts of the company. And I remember that sales manager just saying, if you'll, if you'll remember the excitement and the passion that you have, like right now, you're, 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 you've been through training, you're getting ready to get started, you're getting ready to go out and meet people. If you'll just keep the passion and excitement, we're going to teach you why our products are the best in the marketplace. But if you'll show up every day with passion and excitement and, and the willingness to continue to learn and to get better at what you'll do, you will make a lot of money in this business. So you just keep that. We're going to show you how to sell. We're going to teach you about financing. We're going to teach you about these windows. We're going to teach you about this roofing. But you just stay passionate. You excited and say, I am an open book. I want to keep learning. And just like, you know, a Broadway play, eventually, you know, you're going to get a Tony Award. You know, you're going to be a multi-million dollar you know, salesman that can sell a million dollars a year or two million dollars a year. It's not complicated, really. It's not complicated. Yeah, but people make it really complicated. Well, I mean, I, I can, you know, I mean, I, I can, I, you know, even today, you know, even though now I'm in my 60s, 
And I, I still just love every day going to these different companies. I, my wife goes, what, why do you like that? Why do you enjoy going to people you've never met before? And I go, it's just a passion that I have and it's an excitement. And I love seeing different methods, different ways. And I think, you know, that, uh, that, that is what home, you know, the good home improvement people have the ability to do that where their, their people come in and, you know, you walk into a good, I'm sure you've seen many of them where you, that person has, that owns that company, they have so much confidence about what they're doing. And, you know, they're just looking for some little better methods, but they're, they're just, you know, they're really strong minded that we, you know, we're really, you know, we enjoy what we're doing. So, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's just, I continue to enjoy it every day. So one of the other important things, so, it's interesting as you're growing one of these businesses and the only way that you're really going to be able to grow and scale the business is by having that foundation in place of a good, strong sales process, good sales system for training. And then you can bring people in. Then it comes to leads. Then you become a, a lead. And let's not talk about that today. Maybe we could talk about that another day because the other piece to this to really being successful is getting your pricing right, getting your margins right. And this is another area where business owners get stuck. So I think one, there's a number of areas, but it's like the whole, well, nobody can do it better than I can. And so if they're a salesperson, they get stuck in that and they don't let themselves open their minds to, hey, there are systems out there and I can take that system and I can plug it in. The other place that they really get stuck is in pricing. And so I, and I loved what you said too about the, um, if the price is too high, the story is too short. My buddy, John Angelis says that in order to sell a $10,000 job, you've got to tell a $15,000 story. And there's a lot of different ways to say it. But where people get hung up is, is on price. And you know, as well as I do, that it's about building enough value into what you do. But people are still scared. They're scared that if I raise my price, I'm going to sell less jobs. Now, the logical side of that is, well, that might be okay because you might make more money. But... How do you help somebody get past, like the story you told about the guy at a hundred bucks, it changed his life, right? And I wonder if you could talk a little bit about that. And then I'd be really curious if, and maybe we answer this question first, in all of your years of giving that advice, because I'm sure you give that advice all the time, raise your price, get to the right margin. Have you ever seen a situation where somebody has raised their prices based on your advice, get to the right margin, and actually, it actually hurt them? You know, not really. Me neither. Yeah, if they, uh, you know, do it in a, in a way, you know, sometimes it can be gradual, you know, sometimes say, okay, this quarter we're going to move these, because salesmen hate for you to, to, you know, to raise prices. But no, I've never really seen it to be harmful, you know, and in fact, most people just start to say, God, that was fantastic. You know, you, you see it all the time. You always go, well, how can somebody like Anderson get, you know, $1,800 a window? And then there's, you know, another company out there selling a window for 400 and you need to get 800. 
how does that happen? It happens, you know, somebody, you know, just wants to sell on price, but rarely does that person become wealthy or extremely uh, successful. One of the things I think that you have to do on pricing, and this is, this is the hard part, but if you've got good products and you've got good processes and you're going to take care of the customer, you deserve to get the right margin. And once you determine what that margin, that gross margin needs to be, whether it needs to be 50% or 60% or 70%, whatever that gross margin is that you need to be successful at, eventually you have to draw a line and you can't start letting, you know, one salesperson, okay, well, Hey, you know, we've got $900 in this job. I know, you know, we want to, we, we should normally have 2,800 in this job, but if we do it, you know, we'll go ahead and take that 900 this time. It can't be, you have to set your gross margin and your pricing and it has to stay at that. And everybody has to know, you know, because if you start allowing these things to go, you know, this guy can sell it a little bit cheaper here, a little bit cheaper there. It just doesn't work. And so whatever that, when you've, you've got to determine that gross margin necessary for you to pay your overhead and have at least a 15% net profit. And boy, you are going to make money as long as you, you know, have enough leads and you can, you can, you know, you, you, you've got the right process and you're closing the sales at the percentage you need to be closing them at. But you have to draw the line. You know, I have a customer down in Jacksonville. He eventually had a big company and he sold it off. And now it's just him and his wife. But even he knows that his gross margin needs to be 60%. That's after labor and materials. So even he could, who could drop the pricing day in and day out, he, he holds himself to that same margin. And he's, he's a, a multi, multi-millionaire. Because of it, he's in a day, he, you know, he still sells, you know, six, eight jobs, a, you know, probably eight to 12 jobs a month, but they're all at the correct margin because he still gives that passion, he still gives that strong presentation, and he, he draws the line for himself. You know, one of the, the, you know, on this pricing side, one of the companies that we deal with, uh, and I remember when they, they, he breaks it down to, job folders by job folder. So if your gross margin needs is needs to be 50% or 60% after labor and materials, whatever you determine that to be, every project that comes in, it's completed, that is first thing that, that, that folder is gonna have, that job folder, is they're gonna have what the margin of that job is. So it's easy to say, well, why is this, why'd this come in at 54 or 44 instead of 50? Why'd it come in at 38? So now we're going to take that job folder and we're going to break back down. Was it we paid too much? Was the labor too much? Was the price, you know, was it the price? And then we're going to go to that individual salesperson. So we're going to take it down to the, the nth degree and find out this cannot happen. How did this happen to us? We know our margin has to be 50. Why did one come in at 42? And there's always going to be a reason. And then, as you break that down per salesperson, per folder, you can maintain those margins because you demand those margins. And I think that's, that's another key is you, you, you owe it to yourself, you owe it to your company, and you need to demand that this is where our pricing is. You know, end of story. And once the salespeople that are there understand that, then it, it, you know, then it starts to flow. <clears throat> yeah. At the end of the day, that's how you're going to get wealthy. So, Terry, this has been 
awesome. I mean, just such great information. Tell everybody that's listening a little bit about Pro Materials Direct, because I think for some of the listeners out there, I think you guys would be a really good partner. Now, not everybody's going to qualify, but it would definitely be worth, you know, those of you listening, if you're interested in partnering up with, you know, Terry's company, they have some really great products, but it's really more about the, all of this training that you get with it. So just give them, you know, one or two minutes on what you do at Pro Materials Direct and we'll put in the show notes how they could get a hold of you, you know, how they can get to the company, but just tell them real quick what, what you guys do. I think for us that are in the sales business, sales business, trying to keep it at two minutes is very difficult, but I'll, I'll go as quickly as I, <laughs> I can. The, when the recession came and we, I was looking for something new, having, you know, it's all siding windows and roofing, siding windows, roofing, gutter protections, sunrooms, our whole life as, as distributors and manufacturers, I was looking for something else. And so I stared at a picture of a house that the department energy had put out and I go, what the hell's going on with that attic? You know, We'd always done siding on the outside of the house. We've done, you know, been in windows and roofing, but I had never known that anybody in the home improvement business had ever looked into what was happening in the attic of a, of a consumer's house. Once we found out that the attic was responsible for over 50% of energy loss, and basically most of the people that we call on are in the energy, really are in, in the energy efficiency business by selling insulated windows or insulated siding. And we just, I decided to take a program to attack that. In other words, once I knew that the biggest part of your energy loss per your house was your attic, well, then what did we need to know about that? Well, it was easy for us when we saw the Department of Energy said that nine out of 10 homes are, are uh, under-insulated or insulated properly. Then we started having, I started having uh, uh, insulation contractors come to my house and give me a presentation. I go, they got to be, that's horrible. I mean, they don't have anything to sell. It's a commodity. There's no selling system. There's no excitement. But yet here's, if we're in the energy efficient business, energy efficiency business, and we're not attacking that attic, we're really not being, we're really doing a disservice to the customer. Next, nine out of 10, the Department of Energy says nine out of 10 homes are insulated improperly. What a great opportunity that every time we go to a house on any type of lead, nine out of 10 are going to have need us to explain to them why their houses is, is not as energy efficient as it should be. So what happened was we created the selling system. We created, you know, tons of videos. Uh, we began our, our uh, training process and then it came down to where contractors didn't want to, you know, invest 14, 15,000 and buying trailers and blow in machines and all that. So we decided to, to create an installation division. So today we install insulation for contractors, uh, we install actually attic energy retrofits. It's, it's a whole system for contractors in 32 states. We install in 32 states around the U.S. The jobs pour in here via email. We take over uh, installing the process. We take over training the contractor on how to sell it. We're like kind of like you. Most of the stuff that we have, we give away at no charge. And we have, since the last 10 years, we've installed about 100,000 energy retrofits on homes across the country. And it, and it just, you know, every day I just, I stop by and there's all these things are coming emailed into us. Hey, thank you. You know, we've sold the job to you. It turns over to us. We call the homeowner. We become your installer for you. We handle all the service work. All you have to do is follow our system, sell it, send it to us. We will install it. We'll pick up your check. We'll do whatever else we need to do. 
And if that homeowner has a problem forever, we will take care of it. We've been doing it now for about 10 years and I, I, I get excited about it every day. So if you're in the energy efficient business, if you're looking for something new and different and you said, wow, I don't have to get installers. I just have to get trained and you're going to do that for me at no charge yet. We, we'll fly you into our training center in Atlanta. And uh, we have a passion for this. Uh, we just created a new video and animation to better have your salespeople get, you know, trained properly. And so that you can tell the story to the, to the consumer and explain to them. Most consumers, have no idea what's happening with their house and why they're losing energy. And you, it's really easy with our training for you to become the expert and really, and, and I, I, we have people that are, you know, doing millions of dollars each year. And, and now that they've you know, taken over doing a, an energy retrofit for the consumer. So I hope I didn't go too long there, Brian. No, that's cool. That's cool. I mean, basically. So here's the thing. Basically it's a really cool product. It's, it's kind of recession resistant, let's say, They'll give you all of the, the sales uh, training that you need, the sales presentations and all of that. And they'll even install it for you, which is kind of cool because it lets you go be a sales and marketing company, which is what the most successful people in this, going back to my original question, the most successful people in this business, the wealthiest people that I know in this business, they are contractors, yes, but what they really own are sales and marketing organizations that just happen to sell home improvements. And so anyway, Terry's a great partner, been in the business for a long time. We usually don't do that, but I think for, for the listeners, for the right people, this might be a really great opportunity. And they can go online and find us at promaterialsdirect.com. They can look at it. They can, you know, promaterialsdirect.com. They can, they can find it. If they see it's something, we're happy to come see them and spend our time and our, our dollar to come see them. So more than happy to. <clears throat> Yeah. Awesome. Well, Terry, thank you so much. Appreciate you being here. And for everybody that is listening, this is another episode of the Wealthy Contractor Podcast. This is Brian Kaskavalsian with G4 Marketing Group. And until next time. All right. So that's it for today's episode of the Wealthy Contractor Podcast. Let me ask you, did it help you look at your business in a new way? Did it spark an idea or ideas you hadn't thought of before? Do you have a list of action items that you can take and implement into your business or your life today? I really hope so. Now, before you go, make sure you subscribe to the Wealthy Contractor Podcast so you get access to the latest episodes as soon as they're available. We're always striving to provide you with great content so you don't want to miss what's coming up. And a favor. I'd really appreciate it if you'd go to iTunes and post a review of this podcast. Let us know how we're doing. And finally, we started The Wealthy Contractor as a resource to help you, the home improvement entrepreneur, regardless of where you are on the wealthy scale, get where you want to go. We want to provide you with the motivation, the confidence, the resources, and the tools so you too can live the life of the wealthy contractor. Now, the wealthy contractor is a place where it's okay for you to want it all. In fact, it's not only okay, it's encouraged. So until next time, this is Brian Kaskovalsian with G4 Marketing Group.